the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, good morning, Southern Colorado. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. You are listening to True North. This is a uh, new radio program that's really focused on uh, meeting some of the folks, the good folks here in Southern Colorado that are moving the pieces forward for us here in our amazing land of uh, of the free home and the brave. And let me tell you, I, I'm so excited. Um, we have a great lineup of guests coming in, and uh, these are six of the top contenders over the next six weeks. We'll talk to uh, six of the top contenders of um, – uh, for the mayoral race that's coming up here in April, April 4th. So uh, I'll get to that in just a minute, but a uh, little orientation about who North is. Uh, we're a business, real estate, lifestyle, uh, multimedia company. Uh, that includes, obviously, radio, print, digital, and web. You can find us uh, here on Salem Media. You can find us at coloradomediagroup.com. And uh, and with our partners over at KKTV Channel Eleven, uh, great group over there. They they distribute the magazine through their Facebook page. Great partners in the community. So take a look at it. Uh, we've always got some amazing person on the cover, somebody who's really moving the community forward uh, in a great direction. Uh, our current edition features L. Song Richardson, who's the president of Colorado College. Great story. Uh, very affable woman who. Uh, comes to us from Southern California, and man, she is on a great mission uh, to make Colorado College a shining gem, no longer a hidden gem. So take a look at that, and you can read it at coloradomediagroup.com forward slash magazines. And uh, it's, it's just a great profile on what she's doing. Also inside are the articles and profiles of all the folks we're going to be talking to over the next six weeks. So take a quick look at those, and um you know, get involved, uh, get out there and vote. So, but in this studio with me today um, is, is is a woman who's who's been in public service for a number of years. Uh, she's been in Colorado Springs for thirty seven years, and uh, she she is very well known um, in uh, her service uh, to not only the community but at the state level and also at the federal level. And we're going to get into that in just a second. Before we introduce her, I want to give a special shout out to Chris Gold and Salem Media. Thank you so much for letting us play in your playground here. And also to Ramos Law. These are the uh, good folks uh, who have an amazing law firm, very unique law firm. Uh, they do personal injury, but they all obviously attorneys, but they also have a medical background. So this is, this is an amazing group of, uh, of attorneys um, who really understand uh, when you're hurt uh, and have a personal injury, they can help you out uh, from multiple perspectives. So thank you, Ramos Law. Thank you, Salem Media. And now let's get into this. Uh, in the studio with me live is Sally Clark. Good morning. Good morning, Drew. How are you? Um, so great. Thanks for being here. Dirk, I'm sorry about oh, that. <laughs> hey, hey, we're all getting to know it, right? 
So, uh, but thanks for for joining us. So we've got uh, a big election coming up. We do. Okay. Um, but before we get into kind of your policy pieces mm-hmm. and how you view the community, let's get to know you a little bit. Okay. So, Great. where do we begin? Well, you know, um, I guess I'll kind of rewind to my early years. My my dad. Um, we lived in a small town, and um, Dad got involved in politics. He was a school teacher and uh, served as a school teacher. Was um, did that for forty two years, um, and one day he he became involved in local politics because of some corruption, some things that were going on, some teen drug issues in our in our small town, and ran for public office um, and city council because he he felt that he could do a better job. Mm -hmm. So he got elected. And then, you know, I never really thought I, you know, answered calls occasionally for people wanting to get a hold of the mayor (laughs) and uh, when I was a a child, but never thought I'd be in public office. And then um, kind of go fast forward to my husband and I were married in 1980. I'm a military Navy wife. And, um, we lived in San Diego at the time, and um, at a certain point, he had some shore duty and decided he liked being home more than he liked being on a ship and being gone all the time. So we decided, he decided to get out of the Navy, and we looked for different places and had spent our honeymoon in Colorado. My dad grew up in Pueblo on a farm, and so I spent every summer in Colorado, but we spent our honeymoon here in the Pikes Peak region and I always loved Colorado, and um, we were obviously living in California. The prices were low at that time, not, not so much <laughs> not anymore, anymore, but um, they were low at that time. And so we felt there was a lot of opportunity to start a business, and mm-hmm. he found a job working for a defense contractor, and we opened our bed and breakfast and took a dilapidated Victorian home and turned it around and sort of flipped it into a beautiful place for people to come and stay. Wonderful. And now we have three side-by-side Victorians over on the west side. So what happened, though, um, in this, I'm running my business. I was involved in tourism, started a nonprofit trade association for uh, the hospitality industry, for the bed and breakfast industry, and was, you know, we were just kind of minding our own business. And one day, um, a reporter knocked on my neighbor's door. We were planning a a home tour for the old Colorado City Historical Society. We were doing a fundraiser. (laughs) And um, she said, so the fire chief and the city manager want to closure fire station. What do you guys think about that? Well, the next thing I knew, I was sort of thrust into this whole fight to save fire station three and ended up being the spokesperson for the neighborhood and got involved in neighborhood issues and kind of the rest is history. But through that really acrimonious debate, we, um, I attended lots of council meetings. I'd sit Mm -hmm. in council and listen to all the things going on and became very aware of what was happening. There was a big, I think, influx of neighborhood issues at that time. The Constitution Expressway, which interestingly enough is going on again today. Um, all these years later, that was, um, in 1997 when I started to get involved in politics. And then I thought, well, I could do I can do better than those people sitting up there in the <laughs> in, on the Love dais. It. Love and it. uh, it's time to it's time to get involved. And okay. I think that passion drives me for things. And I tended to be before this kind of all happened. I tended to be a little bit shy. Well, I'm not shy anymore. <laughs> and um, I realized that you know we put aside our shyness when it's something that we care about, whether sure. that's a mom or a dad who wants to be involved in the school board because they're concerned about their kids' welfare or anything else. And so 
I led the fight along with my neighborhood to save Fire Station 3. Um, ran for mayor the first time in 1999. Okay. Um, did well, but there were three candidates and I didn't get enough votes to win. So, but I thought, you know, a lot of people supported me. I think I got 17,000 votes that first time. And then the next thing I knew, um, the, the council uh, availability for my council district came up. So I ran and ended up running against an incumbent. I had the support of Mayor Bob Isaac, who was a longtime oh, mayor yeah. here in yeah. Colorado Springs. And um, I won decisively with about 70% of the vote. So uh, fast forward to then going past that, um, the mayor's race came up again. And so I decided to run again. And so did three of my colleagues on the on the city council. So um, because the mayor was term limited and I didn't win that time either. But you know what? The Lord, the Lord has ideas for us that maybe aren't our own. Love it. So I didn't didn't win. But, you know, we don't tell our kids, oh, give up just because you don't win a race. Just be done with it. Don't don't ever play football again or don't ever try that again in sports. Yes. We we show persistence. And so. Then um, I ran successfully for county commissioner and served there for 12 years. At the same time, I was elected by my peers um, across the nation from NACO, National Association of Counties, mm-hmm. to serve as president of the of that national organization that represents 3,069 counties nationwide. So I that was quite an honor, and I had to you know appeal to a really wide group of elected officials. Then you're running with elected officials who really know how to take that lip test to the next level because they're very, very, very particular. How did did that fire station battle turn out, by the way? Oh, it's still open. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, at the time, I think I'm trying to remember how many stations we had. I think we had 17 at the time. Okay. And now we're just looking to build, I think, our 24th and 25th fire station. So um, as a result, we got more funding for not only fire station three, but for all of the fire department through the public safety sales tax. Mm -hmm. It's helped both police and fire over the years. Um, to be sustainable. And, you know, I feel like my my time on city council was definitely worth it, even though it was a short amount of time. And then most recently, after I left my position with the Board of County Commissioners, um, I was a presidential appointee and I, I ran the state offices, seven offices in Colorado for U.S. Department of Agriculture Rural Development, which helps small rural communities throughout the state. Um, so we did during that time period, I did about one point three billion dollars worth of support for infrastructure, housing, and business and economic development throughout the state of Colorado. So, And that was an awesome job, too. Good stuff. So clearly you're qualified. Maybe your third time's a charm, right? So. Uh, yeah. I, you know, station three, third time, whatever. Yeah. Hey, it's in the uh, air, persistence right? Persistence and perseverance, I think. And, and the Lord looking out for me in, in other ways that sometimes I'm not sure uh, what the what the direction is. But And I'm number one on the ballot. And I was mm-hmm. looking at the, the ballot the other day, and it says vote for one. So there you go. How oh, is that a nice subliminal message? for you. <laughs> Vote for number one. Well, I'm sitting here with Sally Clark, who is running for mayor. She's got an impressive resume. Check it out online. Um, you can you can check out her bio on coloradomediagroup.com forward slash magazines. It's in there, but also on her pages, electclark.com mm-hmm. and good. sallyclarkmayor.com. Or, or there you two? can go to either one, but electclark.com is the easiest generally to remember, and it's Clark without an E. That's right. 
And it's S-A-L-L-I-E. I-E, right. I-E. But if you spell it wrong, it's okay. It all goes to the same place. Oh, good, good <laughs> Just stuff. Just in case hey. people misspell my name. Yeah, the tech people are on the <laughs> ball over right. there. Yeah, oh. we, we make sure we, we reserve all those <laughs> domain names so that it goes to the right place. Well, that's terrific. So thanks for the background. So in the next segment, we're going to unpack a little bit about, you know, what you see as some of the primary topics here in the region, uh, specifically with Colorado Springs. But, you know, Colorado Springs kind of you know, shelters a lot of other communities surrounding it. So there's a lot going on that when the city makes a decision also impacts the rest kind of the region. And um, so we'll get into the hot topics that you are passionate about. And uh, we'll also take a look a little bit at um, some of the education that you've endure, uh, procured over the last several years. And the the three things that you think uh, the government is responsible for, we'll unpack those here in just a few minutes. Back with Sally Clark in just a minute. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. And we're back. Thank you for listening to True North here on Salem Media. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Uh, we're here with Sally Clark, who's running for mayor this April 4. Big election coming up uh, as Mr. Souther sunsets his mayoral term. Uh, we're going to be talking about a handful of folks in the community who are going to hopefully see us forward here. Uh, very pleased to have you in the studio, Sally. Thank you for great. coming. It's great to be here. Thank you. I want to dive right in. One of your leadership tenants uh, that we read about was personnel is policy. And, and real quick, unpack that for us. Right. So, you know, the way I look at it, um, I, I love communication with people. So mm-hmm. people really come first. And and as we, we look at government, I think that that gets lost in the fray. Um, my really, my real focus is being our voice for our city and our mayor. Um, and that's our O-U-R. And I think what that what that tells you is that my perspective is I want to hear from people. I want them to be part of the solution. And we're not all going to agree at the end of the day. Um, you know, I attended the Harvard Kennedy um, School for Senior Executive Leadership in Government. And one of the things we learned was adaptive leadership. And what that means is that people will find commonalities in issues. So you and I may disagree on a very, I think, combative issue, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, we may find things that we agree on within that whole piece of it, whatever that might be. So I, I love to take in input to be available as someone who was kept out of city government and really um, our neighborhood came forward and wanted public information on response times for our neighborhood and how long it took the fire department to get to our homes when okay. we were fighting for fire station three. Yeah. And so from my standpoint, I want to hear from people and see what solutions and ideas they have. And we may adopt some of those and we might not. But if we don't have the discussion, I, you know, the, the people of Colorado Springs are the shareholders of our city. And they are the ones that pay the taxes. They are the ones, including myself, that pay the taxes, keep the lights turned on. Mm -hmm. I want to see what solutions they come up with. And I want to be available and transparent, both on our website, 
for the city and um, personally as well. And you'll see that on my website, too, currently at electclark.com. But I have a blog and I talk about issues. I have you know easy ways to get a hold of me. Um, you don't have to go through a complicated little form to fill out. <laughs> Just email me. It's right there. And it goes directly to me and my campaign manager. So I'll be able to get back with you. And, and I want to be available now. And I'll be available as mayor. Awesome. So there are three responsibilities you, you see government holding. Um, I, I suspect that's not only on a national level for you, but here on the local level. Public safety being number one. Correct. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. So public safety is is pretty broad, right? So sure. we can we get um, and, and I even remember um, longtime parks um, director Nancy Lewis. Um, uh-huh. God rest her soul. She's not alive anymore. But she said, you know, parks are public safety, too. Um, to me, because I was so focused on fire and police that she said, you know, it's a place for our kids to go. And I, I believe that, too. When I look at it a little deeply, the city has recreation centers where kids, especially in at risk neighborhoods, those are important. The city has a role in that in trying to provide I think a place for those kids to go so that they end up being good citizens mm-hmm. and have jobs and, you know, don't end up in our criminal justice system. That being said, we also need to support our fire and police departments. And and what I what I would say in terms of the police is we're at a really critical level. You know, I, I got some figures uh, last week from the chief of police and a crime is up by 45 percent. I mean, if you look at murders are up by 45 percent. Crime in general is up. We have um, additional car thefts. We've got aggravated assault. We've got all of these things that are going up. And yet we've got a gap of about 61 officers that are not, they're funded, but there's no people in Mm. those jobs. So, and then our attrition rate, the turnover for our police department is about 9.5% over the last four years. What that means is we can never catch up. If we've got a 7% vacancy rate and we're losing 9.5%, per year based mm-hmm. on that for your average not a good equation. That's not a good equation. Yeah. I'm, you know, whether whether you're a, a math <laughs> mathematician or not, you can figure out that that's not going to fill the gap. That's so right. how do we do that and find solutions to try and attract the best and the brightest here for our police force? Um, the second piece of that is something that's really near and dear to my heart having, you know, started my um, my service and political office um, through fighting for a fire station is the the fact that, you know, we have this huge wildland interface right here in our backyard. And I think that one of the things that I want to do is is put more focus on the pre-fire mitigation, which is where, where I testified. I've testified in Congress on these different issues like wildfire preparedness and the and what it saves us in the long run in yeah. terms of responding to a fire versus preventing the fire. Correct. You know, it's kind of like, do you put the, the ambulance at the bottom or the fence at the top of the cliff? We want to make sure we put that fence at the top. Um, and as a result of that, I think that the whole issue of evacuation modeling has come up and and there is um, there are national standards. Um, national Fire Protection Association has a standard. Uh, it's NFPA 1616, which I wrote about in a recent blog to talk about what that is. Um, that will help us to really just create that framework and to make sure that that evacuation modeling is again open to the public. So they, you know, the transparency piece is really important. It shouldn't be a secret on how you get out of your neighborhood. 
First of all, Google can tell you if you if you go if you go to your maps program, you should be able to figure that out. Right. But in an incident, we have to be very. I mean, before the incident happens, it's the time you want to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to call it the Rolodex of relationships, and and some younger people wouldn't know what a Rolodex is. But okay, just look at your phone and, yeah, your and all of your list, contact yeah. lists. So that's what, what it talks about. <laughs> is when the incident happens is not the time to establish your phone list and your contact list. Exactly. It's before you get to the incident. So putting more emphasis certainly on the wildfire mitigation, making sure we're properly staffed from a fire perspective. We've also seen um, the issue with long times for ambulance service. Well, that's going to, you know, we don't want somebody to be the test case of, of not making it because the ambulance didn't get there fast enough. Correct. <laughs> what is the city going to do about that? Or what? How are we going to look at that? Are we going to hold the ambulance company to a higher standard? Or are we going to lower our standards just to make it okay? Mm-hmm. It's not okay with me. And it's not about the money. It's about the safety of our community. Fair enough. So, uh, you, you know, one thing that I think most rational people would, would suggest is that Mayor Souther's term has been fairly successful. We're in a time of economic prosperity here. Mm-hmm. Um, he has bridged the gap between the mayor's office and city council. Uh, is that something that you kind of envision just carrying on? I mean, obviously, you're going to build your own relationships there. Um, and we're not necessarily here to criticize or critique his tenure. We're here to see how that is there a continuation element of, of that success and where are you going to build from there? And, and first of all, I'm not I'm not Mayor Southers. So, oh, sure. you know, yeah. and yeah. I guess what I would say is um, I'm a different person. Of course. And, and I think it's time for us to take a reset. Um, he's left a good foundation to build upon. Fair enough. But I think we're also in a really critical time where, you know, inflation's high. Utility rates have gone through the roof. I don't know yours, but mine's doubled in the last couple of years. Um, and the city council serves as a utilities board. How are we, you know, how are we working with that? How is it, how is it working and, and what point. things we can we do yep. to make it better? Um, the, the fact that just, you know, everything is so expensive, the housing crisis we're in where people can't find affordable homes, um, that those are all things that are really on this horizon. Yep. Um, and I feel like we're at a tipping point where we can either tip forward in a good direction or we can tip backward. And and we need good primary jobs here that will help in the housing crisis to make sure that they're well paid living wage jobs. Um, I, you know, I, not that I, I don't mind fast food restaurants, but I think that we need to really look at those primary jobs where people can get work and, and, uh, be able to afford to pay their rent or pay for it or live the American dream and own their own home for heaven's sakes. That's, you know, what I always saw as, as something great for us. And, and I, uh, in my job with rural development for USDA, um, one of our primary functions was affordable housing. So I'm very familiar with the housing, you know, market and how all of this works. So I think that, um, as, as we look at moving forward, um, I will, I am not a status quo person. If you want somebody who all they're going to do is keep the lights turned on and keep going <laughs> in the same direction we've right. always been, that's not me. Um, I I am somebody who wants to see change for the better to improve. I'm a small business owner. Yep. I've had to pivot many different times, um, whether it was COVID or wildfires or floods or whatever it was. It was dealing with my business and having to work within those parameters. 
you have to be able to improve and no business owner, if you're a good business owner says, Oh, I'm just fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The bottom line looks great. And let's just keep doing what we're doing and not look for any improvements. A really good, I think entrepreneur is going to look for ways to improve and expand on their business. And that's the way I feel at the city. We can't always run city like a business. It's a nice line, but it doesn't always work because you're working with tax dollars. But you can make some efficiencies and look within the budget, see what's working well and see where you can make improvements to make sure you're spending money the right way. Great statement there, Sally. Thanks for unpacking that a little bit. We're going to come back in just a few minutes uh, with uh, mayor candidate Sally Clark. Uh, You can reach her campaign office, electclark.com or sallyclarkmayor.com. If you want to talk to her, you can. 719-651-5030. And there's a lot of great information out there, not only on her website, but on those social media channels, Facebook. There's uh, quite a bit of information. She does tweet. So she has a Twitter account, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So uh, when we come back, I want to unpack a little bit Mm -hmm. about your perspective on water and then homelessness and the affordable housing crunch. You just you kind of skimmed it there. I want to dive a little deeper in that. So when we come back, we're sitting with Sally Clark, and um, we're we're unpacking her case for mayor in April 4th election. Be back in just a minute. All right, we're back in the studio. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. This is True North. Uh, You can find us online at coloradomediagroup.com or Salem Media. Uh, It's so exciting to be back on the air. I love being in the studio. I love meeting people that are helping shape our community and move us forward. And uh, really grateful to Salem for the opportunity. Also grateful to Ramos Law, who uh, helps underwrite this programming so we can meet these people and hear uh, their inflection and what they're thinking. Uh, you can read it sometimes, but it's also good to hear it. Uh, but one critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident or incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that you had not been in the crash in the first place. You would not be hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, they're doctors lawyer, and a partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. All right, let's segue back into our conversation with Sally Clark, uh, mayor candidate here for Colorado Springs. Uh, April 4th is the election, typical Tuesday uh, for an election day, so get out there and vote. Uh, But she is steadily building her case um, for her role as mayor in the community. And we left off kind of, we, we breached the wildland fire interface. We breached public safety, mm-hmm. two huge uh, issues impacting communities across the nation. Certainly the public fa- uh, safety issue is wildland fire tends to be a little more Colorado thing, uh, as well as some of the other Western states that are bordering big. Definitely a Western issue. Definitely yeah. a Western <laughs> issue. But in lockstep with that, we started to talk about um, affordable housing and homelessness And let's dive into a little bit about those two topics uh, that you're passionate about as well. Well, I really do think and I I think we've seen a lot of the headlines about how we have a housing crisis. And I I tend to agree with that. At the same time, um, I think that that people are concerned about how they see homelessness and how we solve some of this. So 
Um, if we talk about homelessness, and there, both of these are kind of interrelated in themselves, but then we go back to jobs and how a good economy will help us in both the homeless issues and the affordable housing piece. But what I think is important to consider with regard to homeless is, you know, I've had calls from people who are living in all over this community, whether they're in Briargate or downtown or Rustic Hills or wherever, they're all frustrated with what they see um, from the homeless who are living in our waterways and living on the streets and, you know, tents that are just pitched anywhere, sometimes on private property, where then we have to, and fires have been started with sure. 157, just I think in the month of January from homeless camps, probably because of our, our climate here and, and cold. But if we're going to deal with this, I think there's three components to homelessness and um, we have to be tough. So we have to enforce the ordinances that are already in place. Um, and there's several city council members who are running for this position. Um, and, and they keep saying we should enforce the ordinances. My question is, what have they been doing the last four to eight years in that regard? Um, we need to really be tough on the ordinances that we already have in place and enforcement. Okay. Secondly, um, we need to be compassionate. There are some folks that are just down on their luck and need a, need a hand up. Uh, not a handout, but a hand up. Mm -hmm. And how do we be compassionate to them? Make sure that those families have transitional housing. If they're just in, in a difficult place, how can they, how can they really just get back on their feet and make sure that we're keeping kids safe and families safe? Then there's the other, other piece of this, I think, is to be innovative. Let's look at whether, what other cities have done, including ourselves, to take a really good look, to bring those partners to the table. And that's going to include a really broad swath. And sometimes I think we don't look at our neighbor and say, does my neighbor have a good, you know, do they have a good idea? And again, it goes back to that sort of personalist policy issue mm -hmm. that we just discussed. Right. Um, we need to bring in the criminal justice system, the hospital systems. Um, the mental health providers, uh, certainly the homeless service providers that are helping with and housing providers and all of these and government and the mayor can convene. I think the mayor's job is not to be the solution maker, but to be the convener to find the good solutions. Understood. Um, cities like Houston have components that are, you know, working well. San Antonio has a one stop shop that that can be really helpful, I think. But no city has done it perfectly. Mm -hmm. um, we're probably not going to find the perfect solution for all of this, but at least we can take the components. And the mental health and substance abuse piece is another piece of it, as well as the criminal element. There are some people out there that are not necessarily nice, and we have to figure out how to pull that piece out, deal with that separately, while we're also understanding that we can be compassionate on the areas that we need to, um, you know, moms shouldn't feel unsafe walking on a, a trail with their kids. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm someone who believes in concealed carry mm -hmm. and, um, and, and second amendment, um, second amendment rights. But at the same time, I shouldn't have to carry my right. firearm on a little on a trail hike. in Red Rock Canyon. I, that's not something that we should have to be doing. <laughs> so I think that we've got to deal with that from a safety perspective and a health perspective. I mean, we don't want we you know, we've already had enough issues with Pueblo down south. You talked about water. We'll talk about that in a second, in a little more detail. 
but you know our waterways we don't want to be polluted Correct. with with the trash of and course. the and the things that are happening and if you even in my neighborhood over on the west side we're right along fountain creek and there's needles and trash and all this in our waterways this is not what we want for our city i really appreciate the way you broke that down you know separating you know within that population of homelessness there are different people some are down on their luck some you know just they're, like you said they're just not the nicest people but if if we can break those out into pieces, I think we can have a more informed, enlightened conversation about what to do with that population in general and how we can help those who want help and need mm-hmm. help up um, and, and move on from there. Uh, dovetail into a little bit about affordable housing. Mm-hmm. That, that's a huge topic here in it our is. community. Colorado Springs in particular seems to have – I wouldn't say we avoided the bubble, uh, but we certainly have seen – our home prices and even our rental prices go through the roof. Right. And, and, you know, that's a struggle. And, and does density really, uh, yes, it increases the number of housing units, I guess I would say, but does everyone want to live in a, an apartment? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these apartments that are being built are not affordable either. Right. Um, and so I think that comes back to how you do overall planning for your community. What is smart growth? How do we define that? Um, and part of that comes in with this whole discussion about water and, and our continual water resources. And um, I am not supporter of the current ordinance that was just passed by city council um, that limited, I think that was ended up at 128%. Um, you know, you have to prove that there's water availability. I, I think they just came up with a number. Just my, my observation from the outside looking in is that there was just a number that was picked it looked good. Let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Instead of really looking at it very specifically, within my first 90 days in office, I will convene a task force to look at this as a planning issue and invite the county commissioners in because it has to be dealt with in a county perspective. The water districts need to be at the table, the Colorado Water Conservation Board at the state. We need to have the right people at the table looking at our whole community because just because there's an, a, a line there that says this is the city limits and we can't go outside doesn't mean that the county, the unincorporated county residents aren't using our roads and using our resources. And it doesn't mean that those water districts won't come looking for support. It's happened in That's the past. Right. Uh, when I was on city council, uh, because of our policy governance, the way it worked, and I was on utilities board, we didn't approve Denala for getting water from the city. On the other hand, Cascade Water up the pass had no clean water, and so the city is providing water resources for the town of Cas- or for the area of Cascade up up, up Highway Twenty Four. Mm-hmm. So there are instances where we may be sharing water, and maybe there's some storage options we didn't look at. We've got to look for more water resources. We've got to conserve and look at our policies. When a large commercial property is put in, are we requiring huge amounts of Kentucky bluegrass? I mean, that's ridiculous mm-hmm. in this climate. Yeah. General Palmer Semi-arid, even knew that. Yeah. I mean, yes, he brought the Kentucky bluegrass and we love it, but it's very water. It's very, um, very water intensive. So we have to look at different ways to do things. Conservation getting more water resources, working in tandem with water districts and the unincorporated areas and the county commissioners, I think, is paramount to us solving this. And then looking at how we grow. Do we want just unending sprawl or do we really want to plan our growth a little bit better so that the resources are here for the residents that have been here a long time and and deserve that? Absolutely. So do you see our, our current economic development boom 
um, and the population boom, because upwards of 50,000 people have moved in here over the last three years. Um, we're, we are taxing our natural resources. We are taxing our infrastructure and everything else. I mean, this we're changing. And so the water issue, I mean, it, it's not going to go away anytime soon. So help us understand from an economic development and population growth standpoint, when you say uh, smart growth, real quick, in a minute or so, what does that mean to you? It means that we're planning, that we look at um, how we zone properties, um, what it's going to look like, how we um, how we enforce um, certain regulations or reduce regulations to allow for more organic growth, um, mm-hmm. additional economic development, if you will. And then as we look at the annexation plans, um, the, our city will probably grow. And it's important, though, to understand if we annex new properties, how that's going to benefit the citizens of Colorado Springs. Is there enough water? Are they going to maintain the roads? Are we going to have public safety resources? Um, is there a commercial element that helps pay into the sales tax base? I think those are all good questions. Uh, we don't want to just put, you know, an imaginary line around the city. We've got a lot of enclaves, too, that are still unincorporated right within the city limits. We probably want to look at those to see how we can at least take care of what's already in the city boundaries, but not incorporated, which is kind of strange. But there are those little pockets of areas that have never been incorporated that are already in within the city boundaries. So um, those are all things I think that we can plan as a community and have a little more understanding the Colorado River Compact, you know, that's going to be in court for some time. Yeah, it is. Um, so we can't just sit around and wait for that to happen. We have to start getting ahead of it. Appreciate that, Sally. We'll come back to that in just a minute. I'm sitting here with Sally Clark, uh, candidate for mayor in uh, April 4th election coming right around the corner. Be right back. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. All right, we're back with Sally Clark here in the studio. I'm Dirk Hobbs, your host with uh, True North, and uh, we're here on Salem Media talking about the mayoral election coming up April 4th. Uh, This is not an in-person, you cannot vote in person this year. Uh, It's all mail-in. The the ballots will drop March 10th, uh, so you should be seeing them in your mailbox somewhere around the 12th or 13th of March. Uh, You have until the 4th to turn it in, so make sure you you grab that uh, ballot and take a close look and vote your mind. So, Sally, we're back here with you. Thank you for coming in. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to read out real quick your website and phone number and uh, so people can get in touch with you uh, after we conclude the conversation. So it's electclark.com or sallyclarkmayor.com. And then uh, if you want to have a conversation with her, 719-651-5030. And you can find her on social media, primarily Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. So we've covered a lot of territory here. Mm-hmm. You, you've really hit uh, some great uh, messaging around water, homelessness, public safety, our wildland interface, affordable housing. Really appreciate that. 
Uh, and then we, we started to get a little bit of background on you. Let's round that out a little bit. Okay. So uh, what is it that you want people to know about how you are, are preparing to run our community uh, from the mayor's chair? Well, uh, someone said to me recently that you've been preparing for this all of your life and maybe not all of my life, but certainly when you look at the candidates who are in front of you, and as you said, I think there's 12, there's 12 candidates and different people. Um, I'm the only woman, first of all, I'm probably easier to note on the ballot too, because I'm number one space on the ballot, which <laughs> I had nothing to do with. That was, that was somebody else's, <laughs> that was a luck of the draw. But I guess what what I would say is, um, you know, what sets me apart is that I am the only candidate who's worked at all levels of government and in private business. So I've owned my own business for 30 going on 37 years in June. Um, I have I know what it's like to, to write a paycheck, to pay payroll, to do taxes, to you know, none of us likes paying taxes, but, you know, as as I think old Mayor Bob said at one time, Mayor Bob Isaac, who was a longtime mayor here, that, you know, as we look at taxes, um, it should be a last resort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't always see it that way. <laughs> but I, you know, I would say that because I've served at the federal level and done national things on a national scope, I'm very familiar of navigating the, you know, what it's like to walk in the halls of Congress. I don't necessarily sure. want to be there. But I will do that when necessary and push back on government when we need to. Uh, Same thing with the state. Um, I was a state director for a federal agency for USDA rural development, helping small rural communities. Very familiar with the state programs. Um, And then at the county level, I again, the county is a lot bigger than the city. So the city is 200, about 200 square miles. Uh, The county is 2200 square miles. So a lot bigger place and a lot different issues um, with county government as an arm of the state and federal government. Then there's a city piece of it, serving as a council member, utilities board member. Correct. I think that gives me this all well-rounded background. Um, I'm not, you know, I I would say if you probably ask me a question on anything, I can probably carry on a conversation about something that I've worked on because, you know, having been in government for, you know, probably 15 years as an elected official, but then um, as an appointed official, and then also overlapping that with my private sector experience puts me in a really unique position. Um, One of the things I did want to kind of talk about, too, is people say, well, you know, you say that, you know, here are your priorities. What are you going to do once you get in office? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a magnificent, (laughs) we have a magnificent city. The first thing I'm going to do is create a really good transition team. And so as it relates to that, we already I already have a framework and I'm not going to go into the details about that, but I have a framework already in place to get people on a transition team that's going to help me create our strategic four years and where we go and what our really goals and priorities are. And I'm a very data-driven person, so I think it's going to be important to keep that data and to be open and uh, really open with the city council. We've got three new at large council That's members right. and Three one new spots. and one new uh, district wrap. So four new council members. We're going to need someone at the helm that understands government inside, outside, and as a private business owner. So I think that is what I want to bring to the table is my using my experience to benefit the citizens of Colorado Springs and opening up city government to be more transparent, to be more responsive. You know, you shouldn't have to wait on hold an hour when you call the emergent, the non-emergency number for 911, which is the 4447000. Right. If you want to report a crime, but it's a smaller crime, 
Is there a mechanism to do that? It's very difficult. My husband, we had an abandoned car in front of our house for two months and he tried calling. And so he went to the website. You have to print out the form, fill it out and take it to your police station. Mm -hmm. Is that really the most efficient way for us to use electronic, um, there has to be a better way. And in some cities, the mayors have websites where you can just put it in or you can call someone in the mayor's office, report it, and then the mayor reports that back to city council. Got it. Well, so that, that national and state level perspective also lends a lot of credibility. So your perspective is very well-rounded from that, from just having been in those circles. Uh, how does some of that trickle down into the to the local management of our community? Well, it, it translates in that I know a lot of things. And I, I've been, again, in government. I've, I've served as chair of the Board of County Commissioners. I've served as president of a national organization, um, served in my local community. I was a neighborhood association president. Mm-hmm. Um, you there know, you sort of a thankless free <laughs> <laughs> job, it. right? A volunteer <laughs> job. Um, and then I wanted to mention, too, that I've been very involved in nonprofits. So yes. um, I volunteered my time. I have also really worked very hard for nonprofits that serve our military veterans and families. I feel very passionate about that. So I've seen it from the nonprofit sector as well, whether that was the Heart Association or we're serving as a campaign co-chair for United Way. All of these things and all of this background, I feel like has brought me to this place where I can serve the people of Colorado Springs. Very good. Well, Sally, tell us uh, a little bit about how you recharge your batteries. I mean, this is a full court (laughs) press that we're doing here. Um, You're on a constant talking campaign. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of just emotional pouring into this. How do you recharge your batteries? Um, you know, I, my husband and I have, I mean, since he's, he's kind of the behind the scenes guy, he's been involved a little bit in, in neighborhood associations and, and has done some volunteer work too. So we, we're very, we're a very good team. And, um, you know, in the evenings, I just kind of sort of chill out sometimes in front of the TV and work <laughs> on my computer at the same time. But it's, it's, that's, that's sort of me time. Right. Um, I love to hike. Um, yeah. Obviously our weather here is kind of an up and down mm-hmm. this winter, but um, I love our, our spring, summer and fall time. Fall is I think the best in Colorado. Magical. So yep. I like to get out. Um, I don't own a horse, but I love to horseback ride, um, have taken up pickleball. Um, that's oh, yeah. a really fun sport. In fact, we have an event coming up in a few weeks. That's a meet and greet at Springs pickleball. So if you check out my website, you can look at my events page and um, you can come and meet me there and and see what this this interesting sport is all about. Um, I I think that, you know, I just getting out, exercising, making sure I do take care of myself because it is it's you're on kind of this little hamster wheel and you feel like you're (laughs) running and running and then you get off and you kind of wonder. Um, I love to travel when I can, and yep. um, we've taken some nice trips. I love the western states in Colorado. We have so much here. Why would you need to go anywhere else? So, so when you're driving your car, is there a power ballad in on your on your playlist that you love? Do you have a specific song? You know, that you I love know the this sounds kind of maybe old fashioned. Um, <laughs> I I love Jim Brickman's music. Yeah. Um, he's a the an pianist. amazing pianist, and. Yeah. Um, I was a pianist, but never an amazing pianist, let me tell you. Um, so, but I appreciate those artists who are, but when I'm in the car and I'm just traveling, 
um, I, I like to listen to that piano music because he's such an incredible and we've seen him at the Pikes Peak Center in person. And it's, wow. it's just pretty He's pretty amazing. Yeah, so pretty um, I, have a, I have a wide range. I love classical. I love country. Uh, I love jazz. I mean, I, you uh, put me anywhere and, you know, I can adapt pretty well. That's perfect. <laughs> Closing one minute uh, uh, case for your candidacy. Yeah. So, you know, we know crime, crime is on the rise. We know that homelessness is a problem and, and we know that, um, you know, we have a housing crisis. Um, what I would say to that, to um, the people who are listening out there, the citizens of our community is that help is on the way. Um, I, you know, I'm ready for a fight and I fought for a fire station to keep that open <laughs> and I'm ready to fight for the people of Colorado Springs. Um, I, I, I love this community and I want it to stay a place that I, I'm proud to live in. I want it to be the best place to raise a family. And I don't want us to slide back to be the worst place to raise a family, which is how Denver is being known these days. Oof. And if we don't change this trajectory, we will be there. Yep. And that's what I want to assure to the, to the people of Colorado Springs is the trajectory for me is a positive change and change in the right direction. Wonderful. Well, there it is, folks. Help is on the way. Sally Clark has been talking to us. Uh, if, if you didn't catch us live or just caught the back portion of this show, uh, take a look at us on SalemMedia.com. You can find our uh, podcast on the air there. Also, we'll have it placed out on ColoradoMediaGroup.com. So, but to get in touch with Sally or see what her uh, some of her campaign tenants are, SallyClarkMayor.com. And or elect, elect Sally, elect Clark, elect, elect Clark. Clark. <laughs> elect you can elect Sally com. too, but that's a whole. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> you can do that, or you can give her a call at seven one nine six five one five zero three zero. Check out all her social media uh, pages as well. Remember, this is not an in person vote, folks. So you got to uh, look in your mailboxes. It'll probably be there by March eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, somewhere in there. They drop on the tenth, so it'll be there within a day or so. And then uh, the actual election is April 4th. So get out and vote. And uh, if you don't vote, you can't complain, right? <laughs> so um, thank you for, for sharing thank some time you. with us, giving us a little bit of background about you and your vision for this community. We really appreciate your service uh, from city to county to state to uh, all the way up to the federal government. Yeah. So thank uh, you. Yours. Thank you very much, Dirk. And, and um, appreciated the feature, you know, in North Magazine, too. Absolutely. That was that was great. We so appreciate that. Look forward to working for the people. Absolutely. Thank you, Sally. And thank you, listeners. We'll see you next time here on True North. This is Dirk Hobbs. Until then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.